I shouldn't have gone on the way I did. I made everybody cry. I'm sorry. Silly. Laughter through tears is my favorite emotion. I'm Jeff Hiller. And I'm Mark Sam Rosenthal. And this is our podcast. It's where we talk about sad stuff that wasn't funny at the time. But thankfully, we can laugh about it now. Because laughter through tears is our favorite emotion. Well, I'll tell you, the past year, mortality has been on everyone's minds. And what do you mean by that? Oh, Jeff, I forgot you've been under a rock, which is doing <laughs> wonders for your skin, by the way. <laughs> Thank you so much. You know, there's a lot of humidity under there. <laughs> That's why. Well, anyways, for those of you that have read a paper, uh, it's been a year of just tons of death. You know, Jeff and I have both lost a parent and we've been thinking about mortality for a lot longer than just COVID. And we have some pretty entertaining thoughts on the subject, actually, because we are snarky little bitches. We're both comedians. Yes. Do you identify more as a comedian writer than a comedian? I do. But, you know, I just don't really perform much uh, anymore. I certainly well, have. I don't perform much anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, pre-pandemic, I was, you know, yeah, I'm more focused on the writing at this, mm. at this stage. But I think you are just a quadruple threat of all kinds. So I think you can. Oh, quadruple? <laughs> You can identify any way you please, Jeff Hiller. <laughs> I'm just trying to think, can I think of four other things besides dancing? Because I really can't claim now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I've seen you move. Well, you know. But yes, I'm. my name is Jeff Hiller. I am a comedian. And now we, we're talking about our parents in this podcast. Our parents, not the ones that are still around, but the ones that are dead to the great beyond yeah well that was a good jeff was searching for a euphemism I oh, don't, yeah, you just went dead i don't like them i don't like to say passed away i just like to say died i'm surprised you don't like to say passed away um i agree with you i actually don't like to say passed away either i always have like a tiny little like inner i was gonna say eye roll but it's not eye roll it's more of like a I'm embarrassed for you that you just said passed away. Oh, I hate it. I cannot stand it. But you love, you sort of almost fetishize like old woman speak. I do. Old woman speak. And (laughs) yeah, that is Southern old woman speak. If I heard it. And I passed away. Well, no, real Southern old woman speak might be, (laughs) well, you know, he's gone to his reward. Um, which I love to say that as a joke, you know, she's got take took to glory or gone to her reward, but, um, took to glory. <laughs> but I, I don't like to say those things. No, I, I just don't. It's, it's, I don't like that discomfort that I think it re, uh, reveals about that people have with death, that to, to not even be able to say the word right. is, um, I don't know. I just don't. It, it's hard to respect. <laughs> it's yeah. like just this is what it is. It, that's what's, and the worst is when there's like a tragic accident or 9-11 and someone's like, he passed away in 9-11. Right. I'm like, that is not pa- passing away is like 95 years old, like on a bed with the <laughs> curtains flapping in the breeze with everybody around you saying goodbye. We love you. That maybe is passing away. But like, you know, collapsing in a flaming skyscraper is not passing away. That is dying or being killed. Right. Uh, Yeah, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Murdered. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, that's absolutely fair. I don't I don't use the euphemism either. I I think I might have a little bit more sympathy with people's fear of I think you have more sympathy with people in general, Jeff. I think <laughs> that could be said fairly. <laughs> but <laughs> I do I agree with you that it is strange that we are so afraid of just saying the word died. Um but I do um I do sometimes feel like I need to soften the blow for people. I mean, it's maybe a little codependent. I don't know. I mean, that's... well, I have never been accused of being codependent. <laughs> I, I didn't every single person. I didn't know if I should go there, but I mean, you know, <laughs> um, I it's funny because, of course, on the I on the other end of that spectrum, feel the need to be a little provocative when I feel like someone is a passed away person, and right. I feel like I need to definitely show them how it can be done. Right. To say died. Right. Oh, you are provocative. Oh, you're well, a provocateur. I'm a provocateur uh, with language. <laughs> <laughs> and with death. But that's great because that's fun to talk about because that means that we have some fun insights to share. Jeff and I have been friends for, oh my goodness gracious. I mean, oh gosh, over 15 years. More. I think more than that. I think we yeah. 2001. I think we did. Speaking of 9-11, when so many people passed. Um, <laughs> um, we did, and we uh, we were friends from the old UCB days, the old Upright Citizens Brigade on Twenty right. Second Street. Old one, yeah, yeah, super old. Now they're all old, I guess. Yeah, they're, they're, all they're not. Old. They're not there anymore. Exactly. But um, but yes, Twenty Second Street days, and we were just a, about the only open homosexuals that were in that. Uh, Certainly at that time. We at were. that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so we're trailblazers. And um, I hope that Logo will give us an award. <laughs> does Logo still exist? I don't know. But I, yes, it does. It does. But maybe it's more in the digital space. But they still have the Logo Trailblazers Award. Oh, well. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a little late for us to be considered trailblazers at a comedy theater that closed almost a year ago. <laughs> suppose so well you know what we may blaze another trail somewhere else you know you know we We haven't passed away yet jeff maybe that's what i'm gonna say instead of died or passed away we blazed a trail (laughs) that's great i'm gonna start that too um that's a good one so now our parents yes they're both dead so where did um where'd your dad grow up well, my dad, like myself, grew up in Baton Rouge. Oh. Um, yeah, although in a different era. Um, <laughs> well, that just I think no matter how young you are when you have a child, it's still a different era when you. Well, of course, of course. Up. Oh, I just met one where maybe they didn't. Air conditioning wasn't a hundred percent widespread, which would it's more miserable. Um, <laughs> yeah, but it leads to so many more Tennessee Williams moments. Oh, for God's sake! Yeah, well. <laughs> okay, uh, stick around. There's my dad is a Tennessee Williams moment. We'll, we'll get to that. Um, but uh, yeah, no, my dad was a was a baby boomer, like born right after the war. Grew up in the Rouge, and um, yeah. How about your your mom? What year was he born? Forty four. In forty six. Oh, yeah. My mom uh, was born in nineteen forty four. Hmm. And her family was sharecroppers, so they moved a lot. They like they were places like, in the heart. Yeah, exactly. They were like places in the heart. 
<laughs> Except for bigger than Sally Field. She's very tiny. These were No, what a tiny <laughs> little creature. Yeah. <laughs> but still, she can yeah. walk to Texas I- and back and her daughter can't. <laughs> The best part is she said, and back. <laughs> it's about the rhythm, you know? I could walk to Texas and back. That's and there's, right. There's a better rhythm there. Uh, she was the last of her six siblings to get married, uh, but she was also the only of her six siblings to not get divorced. Oh my gosh, good for her. What do you reckon was the secret? <laughs> well, I asked her once and she said, well, we laugh, we laugh. But Jeff, how wonderful, because so do you. And so do you and Neil. <laughs> well, yeah. Do you, do you get your sense of humor from your mother, do you think? Um, well, that's strange, you know, because my sense, because I am a professional comedian. And so, you know, I've honed it. I've honed it. You know? Well, no, no, I didn't mean to take away from, from your craft and your Thank honing. Thank you, my craft. Thank yeah. you. No, Thank you're you. a honer. Yeah, but I would say that I have a sort of, a, my, my dad was funny too. They were, I have a combina- combination of their uh, mm. laughter. But you know how it is. You turn into your parents, whether you like it or not. And I've definitely had some jokes where I'm like, oh, that is something my mom would have laughed at. And I right. used to roll my eyes out. And now I say it, you know, that kind of a thing. Like what? I remember when she told me this, I was like, oh my God, that's so cheesy. But now... I think it's so funny that her name was Mary Hiller and she one time sat on a plane next to a guy named Harry Miller and she was like, oh, how fun. (laughs) And she laughed about it so much. That was it. There was no joke even. Just they had the same name but with different initials. And uh, now I'm like, well, that is really interesting. (laughs) Did you get your sense of humor from your parents or from your dad? It's tough to say objectively. I mean, I, I mean, my it you definitely think you got your provocateur from them. I don't think I got that from my dad. Um, I don't know where I got that from. It's definitely a laughy family. Certainly on my dad's side, that is the most fun side. <laughs> it's it's just the Jewish side, and it's just a lot more. It's just a lot more of a comedy act when everybody gets together. Um, So I suppose, even though I don't think my dad, I thought his sense of humor was actually a little wooden. It was very daddish, you know, pretty corny, but Mm -hmm. just overall, like his side of the family is where I think the, yeah, a lot of my sense of humor came from. Although (laughs) my mom is, she's pretty funny too. Although she doesn't, She's always saying, I don't know where you get it from. You know, it's like she never wants to claim ownership because I'm a little ultra or, you know, whatever. Um, uh, you know, it's like, oh, I don't know. I don't, I, not me, nothing to see. I've here. never made anyone laugh in my life. I know, but I think she's, she's really funny. And certainly during this pandemic, I mean, her memes, some of them have been just, you know, your on. mom. I don't think she me? makes them, but she shares them. <laughs> And she shared some pretty fun ones. And over the course of the pandemic, they've involved more and more swear language. Oh, swear language. (laughs) Where does she share them? What's her platform? 
I would just send a text message, you know, like your mom texts you memes. How impressive. Oh my God. We'll get them five at a time. Really? And you're not on social. She's not on social media. Well, I think she's on Facebook, which is probably where she's getting these from, but I'm not really, I mean, I have an account, but I don't look at it. So I I guess that's, I mean, I'm getting Facebook via my mother and a family group text. (laughs) Well, that's good. They don't take your data as much that way. That's true. And also just they don't suck the life out of me. Um, (laughs) But so that's sort of long answer to your question is, yeah, I think it's a funny family, but I think that my dad wasn't the funniest part of it. What did he do? Like job wise. Oh yeah. Well, he had a super fun job. That's probably why it was, uh, no, he had, uh, <laughs> he, he had a company that sold and installed industrial insulation to all like <gasps> petrochemical plants and refineries up and down Ooh. the river down there. Well, why were you worried about the kids not listening to this? Now they're all in. Yeah, no, it's super fun. And kids, I'll tell you this, the summer I worked in the warehouse, it turned my boogers blue. Okay. (laughs) I'm talking a rich cobalt blue. (laughs) So so I, okay. Did it, did, did it insulate? A factory or what was it meant to insulate? Yeah, all the pipes at the that are exposed at these refineries and um uh-huh. and you know uh-huh. petrochemical plants in the, in the cold <laughs> in that bitter cold Louisiana winter. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I don't know. It's the 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 chemicals and and stuff that flowing through the pipes must have had to be maintained at some temperature, whether it was cold or hot. I don't know, but it had to be regulated. And I guess that's why they had to be insulated. Oh. I mean, it's a funny, I don't really know how it works. I drove the pickup truck one summer that delivered a bunch of stuff to different plants. Can you see me with a hard hat? It happened. <laughs> Did you wear just the slightest bit jaunty? I wish I was like, Oh my God, I better play I was like the boss's son. I had to be such a good worker. Right. You didn't wear a little like kerchief. Well, not, I well, I would put, I would drive to the warehouse with the kerchief and I took it off when I got there. I just thought, <laughs> you know, I've got to be one of the fellas, you know, <laughs> but, but the commuting time, that's all mine. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is me. I'm going to listen to Carly Simon. It was uh, right after working girl. So I was uh, really into let the river run. The... Oh, hell yeah. Yes. Cause I, that motivated me to the, you know, this wonderful job. So that was what my dad, I doubt my dad. Although I don't know, he did like Carly Simon, oddly enough, that <laughs> is a connection I've literally just made here in but real time. He like, he liked 70s Carly Simon and you liked 80s Carly Simon? Well, I think although since then, you know, of course, I really, I love all Carly Simon, but I, he did like the 70s Carly right. Simon. That was a- Moss King. <laughs> not one of my favorites, but- um, <laughs> You know, I read her um, autobiography. Did you tell me that? Was that the moment she talked about hanging out in the bathroom with Jackie Kennedy? No, no, that's a separate book entirely. Oh, okay. No. Um, which I own, but have not read yet. I know you love a good celebrity memoir. Oh, can't get enough of them. <laughs> and me, I love a good Holocaust survivor memoir. Well, I did watch a Holocaust documentary last night. Oh, did you? It was Remembrance Day or something today, I think. Oh, really? This was just accidental. Coincidence. Zeitgeist. And you know what? It was a it was about 
Alice Miller is called Who's Afraid of Alice Miller. Do you know her? She wrote the drama of The Gifted Child. <gasps> uh, I've, never, I've never had to read books like that, Jeff. Of course, it's in my drawer over there. <laughs> well, it, it, it turns out she was horribly abusive to her own child. <laughs> she, she was like this very intense psychotherapist who believed in you know child psychology, but she also was like a horrible mother because... The Holocaust. trauma. She yeah. She's a Holocaust survivor. Yeah. Boy, that really fucks people up. <laughs> I wouldn't say that the Holocaust was someone passing away. I wouldn't either. Can you imagine that? Oh, yes. He passed away at Auschwitz. <laughs> I mean, like, really? The nerve. That's when you slap a bitch. <laughs> that is not passing away. That is dying. That is being killed, slaughtered. Passed away. Went to his reward. What did he pass from? Genocide. Genocide. <laughs> oh, it's edgy. Yes, there was an outbreak. <laughs> oh my god, people. Well, we don't. Our parents didn't didn't pass of genocide. We'll get to that. But um, what about your mother? We talked about my uh, dad. What did your mother do for a living, or for fun, or both? My mother, she had lots of different jobs. She did not go to college right away. So she first went to um, Dickinson um, Secretarial School. She became a secretary. Uh, She worked in insurance. And uh, then she met my dad and married my dad. And then they managed um, a hotel, not a hotel, what do you call it? An apartment building. And then when the people were annoying and my mom got pregnant, they sold the apartment building and she was a stay at home mom for with my sister. And then six years later, I was born. And then when I went to first grade, she was bored. So she went to college because she'd never been to college. And she, it took her seven years because she worked part time as a secretary and went part time to college. And uh, she got all A's except for one B and um, then she graduated and was a CPA. And then her company said, we'll pay for your master's. And so she was like, I can't pass up a deal like that. And she got her master's. (laughs) What was the master's in? Finance. And then she became a comptroller also at an insurance uh, company. She's so good. It's my mother's so good with numbers and and finance too. And she didn't go to school for it, but like, well, that's what I said to my mom. I said, "You're so good." And she said, "Oh, I'm terrible at accounting. I just read a book that said the best job to go for in uh, whatever 1980, whatever when I started school was accounting. That's where you could get a job and you could make the most amount of money and pay back your student loans, and then I could pay for y'all's college." Oh God, they sacrifice so much for us. I can't imagine that selflessness. I know. I mean, what a terrible, I, you know, she says that, but also she didn't, she was good at it too. Right. But it's also, it's a, yes, it is about selflessness. It's also a little bit about, um, I don't want to seem braggy and say I'm very good with numbers. Oh, was your mother uh, very humble? You know, she was a Protestant. Well, well what? Oh, she was a Lutheran like you, or like you were raised? 
Yeah, no, no, she was Episcopalian, but I said, I want to, I want to break out on my own. I'm going to be a Lutheran. Oh my God. For a minute, I thought you were, you were serious, but you were Joshua. And then you know how I realized you were joking because no sharecropper is an Episcopalian. <laughs> They're all the trashy Lutherans. Yes. And if you don't know that, then you need to look up your denominations, listener. <laughs> And know the difference. You can rank them by income. <laughs> Is that true? I mean, more or less. So the Episcopalians are the richest? Yeah. Who's the poorest Protestant? <laughs> no, I suppose some sort of snake handler. <laughs> some Pentecostal, I reckon. <laughs> Was she deeply religious? Oh, my God, yes. But like the good kind. The good well, kind. Well, I don't... Yeah, no, I'm, that question was was free of judgment. Well, I know, but I, I think I have my own judgment, um, which is that she was very, um, like she really looked at her faith and took it so seriously. And the way that expressed itself in her political views was that she became a left-wing liberal because she felt that that was what Jesus called her to do. So, you know what I mean? It's not your average um, lady in Texas. My religion tells me to hate gaze you know right kind of thing. right no i get i think your mother was on at a more direct uh, direct line to the lord sounds like because <laughs> i think that is what jesus calls us to do if he yes. calls at all and actually <laughs> he made his text i really i'm not sure what he's doing nowadays <laughs> well uh you haven't been checking the text thread because he is sending some seriously hilarious <laughs> memes <laughs> I think he just finds them on Facebook. I don't think he makes them. (laughs) (laughs) So, mother, I'm trying to get a fuller picture of Of Mary, Mary Mary Hiller. And um, I think I need a little like, what did she what what would you say her her style was? That she really um, was, um, you know, of her of her era of her. you know, geographic location. She didn't have tiny hair. You know what I mean? <laughs> she used hot rollers until the day she died, until the day she passed. Um, Love that. Until the day she blazed a trail. Until <laughs> <laughs> the day she joined the trailblazers. Um, she loved a hot roller. She loved a bold red lip. And she used the same. She put the lipstick on her, on her lips. And then she dotted some on her cheeks and rubbed them in. She used a full foundation. She, her hair color was L'Oreal 9.5A light ash blonde. She had a shoulder pads. Um, she used to wear a four inch heel, but she was a little self-conscious about it because she was 5'10". And I always wanted her, she had like three pairs of four inch heels. And I was always like, where are, this, where are these heels? I didn't have the language at the time to know. And she was like, oh, they make me too tall. And they make all the men feel so small. She was, she was, um, she was a real feminist too. Um, and, and like actually had the language of feminism later in her life. But in the beginning of her life, it was very much like, well, I just think he gets a little uncomfortable with my type of woman. And later she would be like, hey, just can't handle it because I'm taller than him and I can see his bald spot. <laughs> that kind of a thing. 
<laughs> that um, is fantastic. She loved a suit. She got them from Jones of New York. And every once in a while she'd get, you know, na- mainly they were like gray or black. But every once in a while she'd get something bold color. And one time she had a tangerine suit. Ooh, it was gorgeous. I love picturing that. It sounds like you probably have an answer for this question that just occurred to me, but which designing woman would she be? <laughs> Charlene. She would be Charlene with a Julia rising. She she grew into a little bit more of Julia by the end. Well, it does sound like that with her, you know, political, spiritual awakening. Yes. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. Charlene with a Julia rising. Did your dad have style? Did your dad have grace? Did your dad give wonderful face? <laughs> he gave, you know, interestingly enough, he was once featured on a billboard ad in town for uh, for Lee Michaels Fine Jewelry. <laughs> Not Lee Michaels. Yes, that Lee Michaels. That jewelry's so fine. It's so fine. It's just fine all over, multiple locations throughout the Gulf South. Um, yes, well, he knew... Lee Michael. Um, that's how from the temple. I'll just leave it there. And um, and so, yeah, so I guess he was a good looking enough man. And that, you know, certainly I'm, you know, no sack of cornmeal myself. Thank God. And um, and so, you know, yeah, he was good looking enough to be featured at one time on this ad, which was a billboard and also in the local like a local magazine or something. Um, and it was a funny, it was a, in a campaign of ads where it was like these black and white photos of men. They're, you know, kind of like headshot type photos. And there'd be these like red, you know, like a lips kiss mark on their uh, oh. cheek, which was the only thing of color in the, in the ad. And the, <laughs> the tagline was, all I said was, it's from Lee Michaels. Every kiss begins with Lee Michaels. Lee Michaels. Right. That's great. That's great. So, yes, he was, I guess he had a little style. You know, he, interestingly enough, he spent more money on his clothes than my mother did. <laughs> was that a point of contention between yeah. your parents? Well, there were no points of contention between my parents. Uh, there were just things that my mother said to me about my father. Um, <laughs> After his death? Oh, no, before. <laughs> You know, because she made she made a lot of her own clothes and then dad would go and spend like a couple of hundred dollars on a sweater at the local men's boutique. And this was the 80s. So like I used to laugh because I thought the sweaters were so awful. Each one looked like, you know, Bill Cosby in the Cosby show, uh, just like. Which has not aged well as we hasn't aged well. And it's maybe it's better. Dad's not here. Maybe it's better. He's blazed a trail. Mine. (laughs) Might not have aged well. This is a random question, but do you know your mom's senior yearbook quote? I'm just curious if you know it. <laughs> um, no, but I do know that she was voted class favorite. And oh. I saw because she always told me, because, you know, I, I was so bullied and so uh, ostracized growing up. And she always said, oh, I know how hard it was. You know, I wasn't popular either. And then I found that and I was like, I thought you were popular. And she was like, well, yeah, I was just friends with all the different groups. And I was like, that's popular. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, I love that. that she she. She denied her own truth to spare your feelings and to encourage you. 
That yeah, is but the selfless. proof came out and it did not set me free. Well, and we'll get to the, that later too. That happened to me too. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, what about Robbie Rosenthal? What was well, his relationship to church and to politics? And <laughs> well, his relationship to church was he went with us, but he was Jewish. Um, <laughs> but he still went with you? He went with us to church, yeah. What church were you? Uh, Methodist. First United Methodist Church, downtown Baton Rouge. Oh, downtown? Oh, yeah, downtown. We were downtown congregation. Uh, but you didn't live downtown. No. But, I mean, going to downtown Baton Rouge from where we lived was like 10 minutes. It's not like it's a <laughs> huge city. <laughs> so, yeah, no, he was uh, he was Jewish. Uh, but, but my he mother did go to Temple. He met the jeweler. <laughs> Yeah, I suppose so. He did go. Well, he didn't go to temple regularly, though. We went only on the high holy days and we would go with dad. But we were raised that my brother and I were raised as Methodists. And what are the high holy days? That's just Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just it. Oh, That's God. it. Although we did also observe Hanukkah in the home. Although never all eight nights, I never had, we never got through all of them. And, um, and, we, and then you we mean would, like you didn't get eight gifts or you mean you didn't. Oh no, we definitely didn't get eight, eight gifts. We didn't even bother lighting all the candles by the end of it. Um, so that's, uh, who could bother? Who could bother? This is eight nights. Oh, <laughs> oy vey. I don't have time. Uh, I have, I have so much insulation to sell. See my dad, my dad. Oh my God. This is something we need to edit out. But. Okay. My husband is Jewish. <laughs> no, we'll keep that in. <laughs> and anyhow, daddy, I, <laughs> because I didn't start dating him until I was 32. I find Jewish foods so exotic and exciting. Holy cow. I mean, I, I even like gefilte fish. I love chopped liver. And we're vegetarians, but ooh, chopped liver. Oh, we didn't ever have those things. These were Louisiana Jews. You know, they right, definitely have, have no, bars. no problem with shrimp and crawfish. Um, <laughs> it's like, oh, where does it say that? Shut up. <laughs> Shut up and eat your etouffee, child. <laughs> There's a little bacon grease in there. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. No, there was no. He didn't even do all eight nights. There was no kosher. Definitely. And he married a Christian. You know, it definitely. Right. Was... And to be clear, Neil is not kosher either. Oh, OK. Fair enough. But what about your dad's politics? Well, they were not where your mother ended up. <laughs> well, he died sooner than my mom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, my dad was a Republican and not and not just a voter. He was an active campaigner, and yeah, he was involved in in you know some local uh, congressman campaign. We he was friends with our uh, with our U.S. rep for a while. Where did he die? Ninety six. Oh, so. There was a Democrat in the White House when he died. There was, but there had just been the Newt Gingrich, whatever, contract with America in 94. So whatever that was. Uh, right. So he was, I guess, happy. I really don't know what he would have thought of what's happened to the Republican Party since then, but we don't have to even wonder. Well, he just liked Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan did so many good things for the, the world. I mean, Ronald Reagan wasn't maybe necessarily the best 
person, in my humble opinion. I guess a lot of people would argue with me on that. Well, no, I don't think he was either, although we did get our picture taken with him when he came to New Orleans one time. <laughs> well, brag, brag, brag. I'm just saying that's who my dad was. Gotcha. gotcha. Yeah, no, he bought the ticket to take us down there to get the picture taken. So. Wow. But we have the picture. It's bad because mom's not looking at the camera. I'm sure my dad was crushed by that because <laughs> it's so quick. It's just like a you just go through the line and they're like, they're like, shake hands, pose, move on to the next people. And I think before we realized it, they had snapped the photo. <laughs> oh. It was still on a frame in a frame in his office. Don't 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 worry. Right. Right. Of course. Um, yeah. So okay. that's that's was my dad. Wow. Okay. That's, yeah. that's a lot. Were you close to him? Was he close to you? Well, yes, but you know, it was, it was a little, it was, I think it, it was more tense in our, um, in my teenage years. Uh, it was still close and I was his firstborn. There's two boys, uh, my younger brother, Scott and I, and I do think that he was closer to Scott at the time that he died. Um, oh, really? Yeah. Because they, just, I think they bonded a little better after I left the house and went away to school and it was just them. And, you know, I don't, I don't know exactly, but, but, you know, dad always used to say, you're my heart, you're my heart. And that's what he always called me. So, I mean, he definitely loved me quite mm -hmm. a lot. Um, but we were, you know, I remember we got in a big fight about the first Iraq war. Um, because, you know, he was like, I was like, why are we going into this country just to get the oil? It's so obvious. And dad was like, Exxon puts food on your table, son. And I was like, <laughs> they buy a lot of insulation. Yes. A lot of insulation, you know? And I remember like, don't you have any ideals, dad? You know, the whole like way that you are when you're, you know, in junior high. <laughs> right. And I, and he was like, you're going to need that. You need that oil. You need gas to drive. And I was like, no, I'm walking to the store now. And I walked to the store one time. <laughs> it was like far. I think I proved my point. I think I proved it. Okay, dad, I'll get back in the car. Fine, fine. Oh, your ideals. <laughs> Such a hypocrite. <laughs> totally. Well, and more on that later. <laughs> um, do you feel like you were closer to your mom than your brother was? Yes. Do you think that's because you were gay? Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I do actually. Um, how about yourself? I mean, was that the same story between your mom and your dad and you? Um, I definitely was closer to my mom. My mom was very about being fair, like almost like to, to like a, a comical effect, like, like for Christmas one time, she gave me a gift and then gave me an additional $40 because she had spent $40 extra on my sister. And I was like, it almost made me feel cheap rather than like, I don't know. It just was very strange that like she would have given me $40. Um, my mom did the same thing, by the way. Not the cash, but the gifts. Every, she had to spend the exact equivalent on both children. Yeah. 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 My sister in high school was very sort of combative with my mom mm. and 
like went through a real hardcore rebellious phase. Whereas I was like, I want to please you. I want to please mm-hmm. everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when I came out, I think she, uh, that like triggered a, I want to take care of you sort of situation. Well, tell me about the coming out experience with your mom, actually. With my mom? Um, well, I kept saying, I, I came home one weekend and it was, I had just graduated from college. I wanted to get out of college first because I thought. That they would stop paying for it? Yeah. I mean, it's so ridiculous. <laughs> no, I, I got, I totally had the same issue in college and I got a, a, a job before I came out to them, like a, you know, a job on the side. Cause it's the same thing. And I remember after the coming out, my dad was like, we're not going to stop like paying for your books. You know, if this job is taken away from your studies, like it's okay. I mean, that's what it, that's what it is to be gay people. It's like, you're afraid to tell. Well, and that's what it is to be privileged people. They were yeah. paying for our college. Yeah, no, I get it. You're right. Sorry. Sorry. My bad. My bad. <laughs> But, but Jeff's mom had been a sharecropper, so we definitely know what it's like to be real. Oh, yes, I definitely did. Yeah, and I do because I'm Jeff's friend. <laughs> anyway, throughout the weekend, I kept being like, can we talk? And then I'd chicken out and I'd chicken out. And finally, I it was like the day I was leaving. And um, they, I, I finally just said, I, I don't know how to say this. And she said, oh, just say it. And I said, I'm gay. And she goes, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's so classic. I've literally never told anyone who's been surprised. <laughs> oh, well, you know, and a mother knows. Uh, yes. And then later, this is not on that same trip, but a different trip later when we went home for a wedding and some of my college friends were staying at our house. My friend, one of my friends asked her when she first suspected I was gay, which I, of course, looked like, oh, I'm dying at this. And she's like, well, maybe when he was four years old. <laughs> and I was like, four? <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, well, you know, I got tested as, as a five-year-old to see if I could go into the gifted and talented program at the East Baton Rouge Parish Public Schools. Uh-huh. And uh, the apparently, this got told to me when I came out. <laughs> to the parents, but the gifted and talented tester had told my parents, yes, I was gifted and talented. And also I was probably gay. (laughs) Five. Five. And apparently that was, that probably did me more harm than good because. Oh, of course. Because that began my mother's campaign to find a sport for me. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that you know went on for another decade and never succeeded <laughs> well if you think that they didn't try and find a sport for me mark sam they did I that that's oh of course oh Isn't bless your heart i had to play Ugh. oh god I they know. used to be like we'll give you a quarter if your team wins and then they were like we'll give you a quarter if you run back and forth on the basketball court and they were like, we'll give you a quarter if you get a rebound. And then they were like, we'll give you $5 if you go to the game. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> it got real bad there towards the end where I was like, I don't want to go. Oh, my God. Well, that's okay. They never even passed me the ball till fourth grade. And I started playing in first. So, <laughs> yeah, similar. Yeah. And it was always just like, stand under the net and hold your arms up. 
Well, because you and I are both so tall. You're even taller than I am. Right. So everyone as a kid would always be like, oh, you play basketball? I'm like, eh. <laughs> no. They still ask me. They still ask me. And what I always say is, not very well. But, you know, when I was down the court, like I, was, I didn't have a lot of strategy. I just hold my arms up and I kind of like sway. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, I knew I was trying to block the ball, but like when they got too close, I was like, oh, I don't want this. So I like, know. I was like, I don't want to touch. It's so funny that we didn't want to touch the boys. Like, why oh, would you? God, no. But I mean, of course, that's it's weird because of course we want to touch the boys. We just don't want to touch them on the well, basketball court. At that time, a straight boy wouldn't want to touch girls. And also yeah. those boys were not sexual to me. They were like cruel. Yeah, no, they were a threat. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They were they absolutely were a threat. They were enemies. Not even for so How did you tell your parents? How was the coming out? Oh, they found out. Um, they, <laughs> yeah. They walked in on you knee deep in dick. <laughs> well, no, although dad did find a porn tape in my closet that he didn't tell me about at the time. <laughs> <laughs> he told me about later. He waited. He held on to that piece of evidence until mother found a letter that I had started writing to a friend mother. about, uh, about, you know, telling her, I, I think I had to come out to my brother and I was telling the friend, uh, but then, it, but then I got a phone call from the friend. And so I just told her over the phone and I stopped writing the letter and I put it inside the phone book. Cause I'd been using the phone book as a writing surface. And I forgot about it. And then so mother... it wasn't even like you could get mad at her for snooping. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't. I'm not sure what my father was looking in my closet drawer for, but you know, presumably there was something. Maybe dad was the snoop and mom was just, she just found the letter. So anyway, so then she said, she asked my father to take me out and talk to me. Oh, really? Yeah. But yes, dad took me out for a pitcher of beer. This was after my <laughs> freshman year of college. Um, this will turn him straight. Yeah, right. I'll take him out for a picture. This is, but it's a serious conversation. Of two men. We, we'll let's go have a pitcher of beer. Um, I'd like the neighborhood hamburger grill. Uh, <laughs> but light, please. Yeah, right. <laughs> Who even remembers what it was? But I remember he said to me. I remember some of the words. He was like, "I'm about to open a door that I can never close again." Oh, no. oh yeah. No, it's dramatic. And um, and. Yeah, he said, your mother found a letter. And then I was like, oh, God, there it is. Okay, well, I guess they know now. And then he said, uh, he's like, I just want you to know that there's nothing you could ever do or be that would make your mother or I love you less. Well, that's beautiful. Which was really reassuring. And so then we had some nervous laughter about it all. And, and um, you know, and then we went home and and mother burst into tears and said, can't you fight it? Down to the wire, a perfect story. Right down to the wire. Right, right, right. So, but you know what? Since you know, then we've had a we've had a wonderful uh, you know uh, rapprochement, and uh, and you know it's really all it's just done a one eighty. You fight it. (laughs) That's so sweet and so hilarious. Yeah, it wasn't fun at the time. (laughs) I know, I know. know. (laughs) It was rough, but I was actually proud of myself. I held my ground. I did not argue. I did not 
become belligerent or hysterical. I just said, I can't. No. You know, and that was that. Beautiful. And so, so yeah, it was actually, you know, it's pretty, pretty decent moment, I guess, between my father and myself. Um, and it certainly sounds like it was between you and your mother. Yeah. Well, my father um, did not say a word. He was sitting all the way across the room and he was just staring down at the table. But then he did hug me really hard the next day. Well, you know, look, these are, they're not easy things to talk about. Like death. <laughs> yeah, exactly. When did your mom get sick? Oh, not till much later. I was okay. 37. Oh, okay. Okay. And what, what started happening? What was that like? Well, at first she was just very fatigued and she had this terrible, terrible cough. And um, she, I remember I was living in LA at the time and she came to LA with my sister and my nephews and my dad. And like her big thing is she was the grandma that was like all in, you know, and like was there and we went to Legoland and she was like, I just don't think I can go into Legoland. And I was like, are you kidding? Like, it was so shocking that she would miss out. I mean, it's not like we were going to Legoland for ourselves. We were going exclusively for these, for our, my nephews. And so I, I was like, I don't something's wrong. And um, so then she went to a doctor because she said she was feeling so tired, tired in a way she'd never felt before. And they diagnosed her with arterial fibrillation, AFib, okay. and, and it was serious, but like, they were like, this is gonna be fine. And when she was in the hospital, she lost 23 pounds in fluid that had been collecting in her body. Oh God. And they were like, oh, we caught this just in time. This could have been really bad. And we were super scared, but we were like, oh good, it's okay. It's totally okay. And so then she, um, she kind of recovered from it and she was even able to like start like walking again and stuff. But then, then um, she came to visit me in New York when I was doing a, a Shakespeare in the park. And um, she like started getting tired again and she was coughing. And I remember Neil said to me like, that cough isn't normal. What's with that cough? And I was like, she just, she always coughs. <laughs> it's normal to cough so much that you throw up. That's normal. Oh Lord. Now, do you think, did, did she, was she wise to how serious it was? Uh, well, she went to the doctor, which is pretty rare for my family. And she was, um, they went through all these tests and um, and um, for a long time, they kind of weren't sure what it was. When, when did your dad start getting sick? Yeah, that was, well, I was much younger because it happened while I was in college. Right. Um, I mean, I, I had the coming out to them after the freshman year. And then in my junior year, uh, dad started to get sick. Holy cow, I'm literally 
literally remembering this now this this is great to chat there's so much irl happening um <laughs> or whatever you would say there's so much in real life happening right or now in, I, in real time i don't know what it is i mean i'm trying to <laughs> i guess those younger listeners have like long since stopped listening but i don't know why i'm trying to i don't know we, let's go back to talking about carly simon i don't need to talk to them about carly ray jepson um <laughs> any rate uh this is what happened there. He started feeling tired. It just started with the tired, which sounds familiar, right? right. He was tired, tired, tired. Um, that fall of my junior year of college. And um, I went down to Baton Rouge at some point in the fall. My brother was in the school play. And so I went down to go see him do what it. The play? Rumors, Neil Simon, Rumors. Well, what which, an interesting choice. Yes, which oddly enough, we had seen as a family on our first trip to New York in 1989. Um, that was your family trip? Was in 19, My family went on a trip in, to New York in 1989. Oh, really? Yeah, we went in March. We went in, uh, it was over Pride weekend. I happen to know it was the last Sunday in June we were there. It's fantastic. I bet your parents didn't know that when they booked the tickets. No, they sure did not. It's <laughs> fantastic. And must have been so fun for you and not awkward at all. <laughs> okay. Got it. I can picture it. And I'm sure anyone else listening can too. Um, <laughs> no, this was uh, this was rumors. And so I went down to Baton Rouge to see it. And then there was, mom was telling me, I don't know what's wrong with your dad. They don't know. They just keep running all these tests and they really don't. No, and I'm like, well, it's got to be something. How come they not figuring this out? And I have to tell you, I got a little suspicious. Um, and I really don't think there was one thing I can point to, except a little spidey sense. Um, uh, I began to wonder if they're testing for all of these things. Like, is it possibly something that the one thing that they are not testing for is my dad gay like I am you know is that possible it's not something that I had spent my life wondering because my dad was not a sort of outwardly stereotypically gay appearing person huh. but also you know he didn't hunt which was unusual and uh, <laughs> <laughs> Baton Rouge. And uh, I was like, well, that's different. My dad's not like the other men. And there was just, you know, there was always a sort of a little, like I said earlier about a sense of humor or something wooden about him, something uncomfortable and stilted that felt a little artificial or forced. Mm -hmm. um, as if you were always trying a little too hard and not comfortable just with being himself. I mean, all of that is nothing in the abstract, except for when you're a young gay person yourself and your dad is sick and they're testing him for all of this, this and that, and this and that, and it's not any of those things. And then I began to wonder. So I remember, I was like, oh God, you know, is that even possible? I remember riding out in the car with my dad to see the play that my brother was in at school and just looking at him on the interstate and just saying like, what do you have? You know, like it was almost kind of like challenging accusatory. and accusatory. And then I remember he got very kind of defensive and he was like, I don't know. I don't know. 
but I'm sure I'll be fine. And he shut it down. But there was just this weird moment where I was like, I wonder if you'll be fine. Mm. I really wonder if you'll be fine. And then this is the thing I just remembered a minute ago. Uh, So then at Christmas break that year, I had a car up in Chicago and I was, um, I was going to (laughs) drive. I had arranged with my grandmother to surprise the family in Las Vegas, where everyone was going to hear my cousin, who's a country music singer, do who's doing a concert at Caesar's Palace. And um, so everyone was going out there, including my mom and dad. And I was like, you know, secret back channel communications with my grandmother. I'm like, I'm going to drive out. I was, you know, with a friend of mine and we're going to like, you know, we're going to meet you guys. I'm going to surprise mom and dad. It's going to be so fun. And so, um, uh, so I did that with my, my friend, Bob, and we drove out from Chicago to Las Vegas, you know, it took us a couple of days. And I remember one night, the night before we were to get to Vegas, we were spending the night in Utah, St. George, Utah, and at a motel. And I called my grandmother, you know, from like the payphone in the parking lot, because this was 1995 or four, it was 1994. And uh, I called her, I was like, okay, so this is the time we're going to get there tomorrow. And she was like, your parents can't come like your dad went to the doctor again and they said his like blood count or anemia or something is so is such that he can't fly he shouldn't travel and so they can't come and i was like that's when i was like wow what is going on here you know and there i was in a fucking payphone booth in saint george utah or something maybe it was Penguin, utah i can't believe i remember these things but I was, I remember going back to the motel room and telling Bob, I was like, something is really wrong with my dad. And then of course, the next day we drove to Las Vegas and met the rest of the family (laughs) and called my mom and dad. And I was like, well, I'm here. Sorry, you're not. And, um, you know, did the whole Vegas thing. But then uh, after the uh, new year in January, they, they, they decided they finally would test dad for HIV. Can you imagine that's not just part of the bevy of tests that they're running? Like, yeah, I guess that just speaks to like, it was a different time and place. Yeah. And I think it was a different um, view of who could get the disease too. Exactly. Well, right. It wasn't supposed to be this persona that was my, you know, that was my dad. The way that I finally found out about my mom was I was at, um, I was hosting uh, a stupid comedy show about like wacky musical numbers that were comedy and it was a Halloween theme and every blood was everywhere. Like everybody had fake blood all over them. And um, you know, they were just talking about death and ghosts and everything. And, and I was so annoyed I, cause I was, you know, a generation older than all of these young people it was a show at like 10 30 p or at like 11 p.m and so i was just like reading my email and i got an email from my mom that said wasn't this so nice from your aunt Catherine?" and and it was like this response from my aunt Catherine, her sister saying like i've always loved you and i i will you know i i think of you all the time when you you know it was like this very sweet letter about like a time that they shared when they were children and i was like what the hell is she responding to and I scrolled down and saw this um, email from my mom to all of her siblings saying she had 
been diagnosed with pulmonary fibrosis and she had two years to live. And then they were like, Jeff, you're on. <laughs> and I had to go out and do stand up in front of this group of people. Oh, wow. So when did you find out about your dad? Um, so after the new year, uh, I, the mom told me I was back up at school and she was like, well, they're, they're just going to go ahead and test your father for HIV. I don't know how it could be that, but they can't seem to find out what's wrong with him. And I was like, oh God, if they're going to test him for it, he's going to have it because it's literally nothing else. And at this point in my just like my spidey sense was just going off. And I, so I actually remember I scheduled my own first HIV test beforehand because I was like, I was like, oh, I don't know. I want to make sure I'm well too, you know? I mean, I had barely had sex. Um, and it was like so safe. It would basically like I had, you know, basically had- Immaculate. Yeah, totally. Like just with like a sheet of visqueen. Um, <laughs> but I remember, you know, and I also remember I was very, I was seeing a, a, a counselor at the time, like one of the school, school, you know, school student mental health people that you could go and see. And I remember I called him. I was like, I think I'm going to get some news that might be upsetting on Friday. So can I schedule an appointment with you for that day? How? <laughs> yeah. I know. Well, I mean, I've always tried to take care of myself. Um, <laughs> and it was Friday the 13th too. Oh, wow. And yeah. So, but I was awakened by a phone call from my mom and she was like, it was like, not my mom's voice. You know, it was like the voice of this like cat that had just been run over, you know, like the way mm. you've like never heard your parent because mm -hmm. there was just no composure at all. And she said, well, your father's positive and they've tested me too. And I probably will be too, you know? And of course, remember this is 1995. It was like a year before the, the, the drug cocktails came out that really made, you know, HIV and AIDS, you know, more of a manageable condition for so many people. It was the death sentence. It was a terminal, incurable situation. Absolutely. And Absolutely. so, and she was like sobbing and she was just, I just remember what she said. She just said, I just feel like the rug has been pulled out from underneath my life. And I felt it too. I just was like this sense of free floating so through the air when yeah exactly exactly and i felt that the same i felt like i was going to lose both my parents at that point and then my mother said and don't tell your brother yet <laughs> <laughs> so i was like fantastic i this is definitely what i want to go through alone um <laughs> thank god i've got that appointment right thank god i got brad <laughs> He was such a sweetheart. What a good guy. <laughs> he was really like, he was earning his money. <laughs> he probably wrote a case study about it. Good for him if he did. <laughs> but that was how, that was how I found out. Yeah. Um, and then she said she would, you know, call me later. Now I do have a question for you because I know that you were, or have been certainly in the past, more of a religious person. Um, and I just wonder like when your when your mom got sick, like, how would you describe your, 
your connection or existence of any relationship with God at that time? And did you pray? That's an interesting question. You know, at the time I was not feeling especially religious or spiritual. What I would say is I did pray, but more to help with grief than to help with um, the fear of losing my mom. You know what I mean? Mm, yeah, I do know what you mean. Yeah, did not. No, I don't think I did. I think I probably told God to go fuck himself. If I'm being perfectly honest, I think I was very. Yeah, and I did not have that. I did not have a, any well, spiritual. The situations are also very quite different. I mean, like I think of my mom as young, but she was nothing. I mean, you know, she was 71. That's not that young. <laughs> it's not like um, it's not like your dad who wasn't even 50, right? Right. No, he's when he died a year later, he was 49. That's more of a reason to be angry than. And when I'm, when you're almost 40 and your mom dies. Could be, could be. But I also had, I was even more angry at him, not the injustice of the death that came later, but I was just, I, I felt like I'd been lied to and told a story, you know, and the compassion for that didn't come for a while. You know, yeah, yeah I was just plain angry at him. I thought he was just a, a liar. Well, I suppose he was. Right. I mean, I, I know there's a lot of nuance to that. Statement. Yes. Well, I don't have, you know, but I don't have any anger about that anymore. But I did then. I was also like, I was gay and I was like, you got to be out and proud. And this is how we're going to change this thing. You know, I had all right. that like, you know, gay fury. Really? Pictures with Ronald Reagan. Exactly. <laughs> and here I am like, oh God, the worst thing you could be in my book at the time was a closeted homosexual. And it turns out that was dad. Hmm. Well, that was so much fun. So much fun. Oh, let's do it again soon. Oh, we have to. Everybody, please remember to subscribe and join us next time. Bring your Kleenex. Mine's right by the bed. Wait, is that for crying or are you? Anyways, thanks for listening. And special thanks to Corey Tut for our magical theme song. Bye. Bye. <laughs> that Kleenex is for whatever I want it to be for, Jeff. All right, Gross.